Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A couple essentials for a happy marriage. The Bible tells us that God instituted marriage, but that God did not merely set us adrift on the ways of matrimony. He has provided unto us a chart and a compass in order to guide our path. Some of these directions are given to husbands. Other of these directions are given to wives. Ephesians chapter 5 is a pretty good place to start. But it is only a start. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ, the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the word with water, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Guidance for husbands, that seems to be the easier place to start. Husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church. Jesus came into the world, a heart overflowing with infinite love, gave himself in that love, and died for his church. He died for her. No reward of personal gain, no selfish gain that is found in that. He did this because he abhors the sins of man. And he gave himself as a ransom for those sins. And he is still the world's supreme example of unselfishness in love. He did it so that he might present unto himself a church that was without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, but holy. That is the patterned by his love. Husbands, learn from your Lord and Savior. The point I want you to take away is ignore her charge to submit unto you. Her submission has nothing to do with you. That is law that is given by God to her and is between her and her God. You are her husband, not her God. You pay attention to what God told you to do. What God tell you to do? Love your wives. And I know you know how to do that better than I do. She is, after all, your wife, right? And God lays upon the hearts of men certain responsibilities, right? To love and to nourish and to cherish your wife. Times have changed, I understand that. It used to be that the husband did all of the nourishing of the wife and the wife stayed at home and watched kids and took care of houses and those sorts of things. I don't know how those sorts of homes worked. I never lived in one. My mother worked the entire time I'd ever known her. 
My father worked out of the home. My mother worked out of the home. Stephanie's mother and father both worked out the home. My wife intended to work outside of the home and made that very clear when we were dating. <laughs> that if I wanted to stay at home wife, I was going to have to look elsewhere because that was not what she had intended for her life. Luckily for me, I agreed. I thought that was a great idea. No matter what the momentary situation in society may or, or may not be, the fact still remains that according to God's plan and according to God's purpose, it is the responsibility of the husband to support and to nourish his wife. This can be done in a number of different ways and a number of different times. In seminary, my wife made all of the money. She also paid all of the bills. And every once in a while, she'd give me a $20 bill and go, this is yours. That's not true. I had a debit card. But I did have a part-time job. I went to school full-time. I worked extra hours on winter and spring break. I knew almost every LWML president in the entire state of Arkansas because I was looking for that might money. They were looking for somebody to support, and I was going to do everything in my power to make sure that I was the one that they thought of first. Martin Luther came home and gave his entire check to his wife. I loved that. He would come home, give it to her. There you go, Katie. Take care of all of it. And off he'd go to work. And Luther was notorious for being broke. Partly because they lived in this great big ex... It used to be... Uh, it was a, a, a monastery, basically. It must have cost a fortune to upkeep. in like 17 rooms or something. And Luther was famous for just giving stuff away. He just, he'd run into somebody that was poor and he's just giving them stuff away. There's a great story where somebody had given Luther this gift. It was worth like 10,000 ducats. And he looked at it and said, that was far too great of a gift. Return that. And she said, yes, Martin Luther, my husband. She hit it in the wall. Six months later, they were broke. And she went, oh, remember that 10,000 ducat thing that you told me to return? I didn't do that. Can we go ahead and sell that now? He's like, yep. He was forever bringing people home, costing them money left and right. There are certain times in which a husband will not, though, put forth an honest effort. I remember, actually, I did this in Atlanta telling a girl she, could, she, she ought to kick her husband out of her home. They had fallen upon hard times, and she took up the slack, taking a second job, which is not wrong, by the way. Not a problem with that. The only problem is after she took up the slack, he kind of got used to it. This is kind of cool, right? He's sitting at home, playing video games, drinking beer whenever he felt like it, and she's off working two jobs, right? So he gets all of his bills paid for, and she's not even around to nag him about anything. I said, kick him out. Or at the very least, you move out. That is not what nourishing and cherishing your wife looks like. Some take it for granted that a wife should earn the daily bread. Some women want to contribute, like mine, who contributes mightily. I think when it comes to that, you need to cherish your wife. It's, not, it's a science, not an, it's an art, not a science. It's a matter of law and gospel. You know better how to do that than I do. Put love and cherish your wife. A husband wants to know how he should behave in a relationship unto his wife. 
needs to look at the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ and see Jesus on the cross to the lengths of what Jesus went to in order to love you, imitate that love that God has promised unto you. When husbands learn to give of themselves in devotion and service to the one to whom they profess to love, who does so in a spirit of perfect unselfishness, then we will have become the ideal husbands. Until then, until we have achieved that degree of perfection, we will indeed struggle a bit. And husbands, you will struggle in properly loving your wife. And when you fail, and you will fail, whether she tells you or not, when you do fail and you will fail, ask for her forgiveness. Don't ignore it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't say get over it. Tell her, yep, that was wrong. I was wrong. Forgive me. I'll try to do better. And try to do better. Love your wife as best you can. And if you love your wife as best you can, I bet that she'll love you back. Cherish her and I bet she'll cherish you back. My point is not so much to make her happy. It will not hurt you to run to the store. It will not hurt you to make her a cup of tea. It will not hurt you to let her warm her freezing toes on your back. All right, it might hurt. But it's not anything you can't endure. Even as God laid down a principle for husbands to love their wives, so too has God laid down a principle for wives. Wives, submit unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. If you believe that Jesus Christ has died for your sins and that he has saved you of your sins, then you love him for it. And you feel in your heart deeply that you are indebted unto your Lord Jesus Christ. And out of this debt, out of this debt of love that God has given unto you, you have love to give. <clears throat> this is where Christian love comes from. From the love that Christ has given unto us. In life of the Christian, there is no, you must do this and you must do that. The Christian heart is touched by the love of our Savior who has given himself for our redemption. This puts Christians under an obligation of love towards his Savior. Therefore, we spend a great deal of energy expressing that love. This love gives you the basis of your life for all of your daily conduct. Not only at work with your friends, but also how you treat your mom and your dad and your neighbors and your strangers and yes, even your husband. So if you do X, whatever X is, you do not because you must, not because the Lord says thou shalt. If you're doing it because you have to, then you're already doing it wrong. If you submit unto your husband because you have to, your motivation is not out of love. And you're doing it wrong. The power of life is in the love. We don't have to. We get to. I like to remind my wife that she gets to submit to me every once in a while. Doesn't always go over as well as I would like. Guidance for wives. 
Paul addresses himself to women and reminds them of this particular responsibility and relationship. He points it out to them as an example which they should follow in the fulfillment of their duties in holy matrimony. Wives submit to your husbands as unto or wives submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. As the church is subject unto Christ, let wives be subject unto their own husbands. Submit. <clears throat> there I said it. I wasn't sure if I'd get to it. Submit. Anybody remember how ridiculous fashion was in the 80s? Hair six inches tall, stirrup pants, shoulder pads. I've always found it fascinating that women will submit unto police, they will submit unto their fathers, they will submit unto their mothers and their grandmothers, easily submit unto their peer groups, easily submit unto their peer groups. Submit even to Cosmo Magazine, of all things. Teachers, checkout people, strangers in the malls, signs on the walls. But the moment you start telling a woman that she's going to submit unto her husband, and then it's like the gloves come off. It's like a hockey player. They're like, oh, you want to go? <laughs> I've seen women submit to household cats. Right? Little Johnny says, mom, jump. And she's up and jumping and doing whatever little Johnny says. But boy, you start talking about submitting to her husband, all of a sudden she's Joan of Arc fighting for the freedom of the world. Ladies, I understand you may not like or love this submission line, and, it, and if you don't, I, I kind of ask you why. Why do you not like this line? Why do you, what, it, what is in you that causes you to bristle at this so much? Why in the world would you let everyone else in the world have so much power and authority over you? You'll submit to complete and utter strangers, but bristle at the idea of submitting to your husband. The fact is, all Christians are subject unto Christ. Every one of us are subject unto each and every one of us. We're subject to Christ and His church out of love, out of appreciation, out of gratitude. God said it advisably, wives submit unto your husbands as the church submits unto Christ. Now as a church, we dutifully and slavishly, do we dutifully and slavishly submit unto Christ in all things? Of course not. But we do try, and we fail, and when we do fail, we at least have the good graces to be ashamed of it. She who strives for happiness and the happiness of her children has a gift in life for which she has made every reason to be thankful unto the Almighty God. Now the Bible, I'll remind you, says nothing about men treating their wives harshly or roughly or rudely. The Bible does not say anything about caveman tactics, about forcing submission of your wife. I had a seminary professor tell a class that if your wife is hard to deal with, chances are you're not loving her in the right way and you need to spend more time on that. Or she might just be mean. And she was mean when you married her, so suck it up, buddy. You got a long way to go. <laughs> I love Dr. Foryar. A man who does not love his wife is a miserable person. A man who will not cherish his wife is a miserable person. 
A man who will not nurture his wife is a miserable person. A woman who will not submit unto her husband is a miserable person. A woman who will not respect her husband is a miserable person. A woman who cannot yield in her home is not going to truly live in a happy home. And I hope you singles are listening to me. As I know we're talking a lot about men and talking a lot about women and married men and married women, but I hope you singles are listening because it's not just about the relationship as a husband and a wife. We all have these relationships. We all, whether we're married or not, have places in our lives where we love and cherish and honor people that are put into our lives. We all have people that we submit to and we do that out of reverence for Christ. Just because you don't have a husband doesn't mean you don't have a wife doesn't mean that you don't have people to love and cherish and support. It doesn't mean you don't have a place in your life to submit and love and honor and cherish and support. Some of you have no intentions on getting married again. Especially some of you are a little older. I can't. Every once in a while you'll run one of the, one of the widows that go, nope, I am never doing that again. That is your choice. And nobody's going to, well, maybe not anybody. I'm not going to berate you for making that choice. But you still have people in your life that you can love and cherish. We're talking this morning about a very serious topic. It has a large bearing on, on temporal hopefulness and happiness. But it also has an eternal well-being of the immortal soul. I hope that God will give unto each of us the light of understanding. When we compare our lives, uh, when we compare our love for our wives to Jesus has done for us, there is, there is more than enough room for growth. The same thing applies to women. Every woman who listens to what God has to say to her, who calls upon her to pour out her life in a spirit of unselfish living, will feel that she has not done all that she might to do under this auspices and the graciousness of God. Now, as we go to our respective homes in all sincerity, with mutual understanding, we try. And it will make a difference. It will make a difference. Again, singles in my heart, I'm not leaving you out. The increasing delay in marriage, the out of control divorce rate, large swaths of the population simply not bothering to get married anymore. Our seniors are living on social security issues, retirement issues, wills and trusts. 52% of our population is single now. God has not given you this, this gift of singleness in order to, to live it unto yourself. Being single is not a life of selfishness. Some might argue that the, that the responsibilities of the single now have multiplied. Instead of submitting unto one man, now you've got hundreds of them out there that you can serve and love. Instead of loving just one wife, you now have, have 15 people that you can serve and love. <laughs> In a celibate lifestyle, by the way, I remind you, you've not been given the freedom of singleness to live in lasciviousness. That is not what Paul would have for us. It's not what God would have for us. If I'm saying love 15 different women, I'm not saying love 15 different women. 
I'm saying serve. Some singles want to get married, some don't. Not, some not ever. Like I said last week, I'm sort of old school. I don't, I've, I've never been single in my life. I was in college. I mean, I was single in college, but I was working full-time and going to school full-time, and I was completely broke. I've never really dated. I found one woman that was nice to me, and I went, that'll work. <laughs> I don't know what it's like to be an adult and be single. We were married. We were still children when we got married, to tell you the truth. But let God be your teacher. Do not flaunt these things in front of society. Do not flaunt the law of God. Listen to what God tells you for a life of, uh, of celibacy and charity and love and submission. Let God help you. And if you do decide to take a partner, let God help you to decide what kind of a partner you're going to take. It's hard enough to date outside of your denomination, but do not... Do not take a spouse from the ungodly. This doesn't work at all. Don't settle for somebody who doesn't live up to God's standards. Don't settle for somebody who doesn't love the Lord your God. Don't settle for somebody who doesn't understand what you're talking about. Marriage is such an intimate relationship that a husband and wife are both going to be happy or they're both going to be unhappy. It's not possible for one to be happy and the other one to be miserable. Now, granted, that might have been, that might have been possible 50 years ago. That might have been possible 100 years ago. 100 years ago, you could have had one spouse miserable, the other one just as happy as could be, and nobody could do anything about it. But in this day of no-fault divorce, if one of you is miserable, you're both going to be miserable. It'll affect everything in your life. Be honest and open, caring. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands, not as unto a taskmaster or a slave driver, but as the church in the spirit of love, as you were subject unto the Lord. What would God be at the center of our homes? If all of our homes had the privilege and lived under the influence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, would these homes not be happy? Would these homes not be successful? Would these homes not be places where children could be raised in the nurturing of the Spirit of the Lord God Almighty in harmony and in peace and our country be strengthened? And then we'll be in a position to give in the spirit of generosity. Not just to our neighbors across the street, across the road, but unto the world. In God's name, let us pray. Amen. Amen.